0: he pointed out that all of these managers that work for him, uh, operate, uh, well established budgets in their business and very few have any kind of budget or plan in their home. Hello. And thank you for joining us today on the gentle art of crushing it show where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Gentle Art of Crushing It podcast. My name is Derek Felch. I am a real estate investor who focuses on single family homes and short-term rentals. In addition, I work with a team who manages short and midterm rentals around the country. If you're new to our podcast, I'm one of five hosts who bring you conversations three times every week. We cover a variety of topics around real estate, business, and personal development, and a new episode will release every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Our purpose in the podcast is to help you and others succeed in whatever targets you're aiming at. Each of us are committed to finding the best and the brightest people we can to share their stories and lessons that they've learned so far on their journey. And let's be honest, there's a ton of podcasts to choose from, and we appreciate you checking ours out. If you like what you hear, and maybe even if you don't, please be sure to hit the like, subscribe button, or leave us a review or comment. We want these conversations to be heard by more people. Today's episode's a little bit different. I'm going to have my favorite host and guest to speak to, someone I talk to often all the time, and that is me. And I'm doing it because I just had some thoughts to share today around the subject of personal finance and money is such an interesting topic. I mean, clearly if you're listening to this and the algorithms pushed it to you, you're someone that's probably looking into areas of personal finance, investing, um, real estate, all those good things, self-improvement. And I thought, I just, it's a topic I love to talk about a lot, and that is money. But what I find so interesting in my now 50 plus years of life is money is something that no one talks about. It's really kind of a taboo subject, which I, I find fascinating because it's literally something that every one of us deal with on really, I would say a daily basis. And it's hard to know who to talk to or where to find answers or even know how you're doing, or if you're having the same questions or fears as other people. And I think there's a few reasons for that. One, I think is definitely cultural. We live in a country and and where it is taboo to talk about money. It's It's not polite to ask people what they make. It's not polite to share what you make. It's not polite to talk about how much is in your bank account. Uh, it's not polite to ask others how much are in their bank account. It's just this very, there's so many other questions we can ask each other that feel, okay, that's a little personal, but I'll answer it. But boy, when it comes to money, culturally, we're taught, you just don't talk about these things. I think another area that makes money hard to talk about is how we were raised, our families. Many of us were raised by parents. you, it was, Again, you were reinforced. It was impolite to ask about money. In my own life i didn't know much about what my parents made or what we had i just knew it felt like we never had any money and i also knew that when my dad went to this is going to date me a little bit but when my dad went to balance his checkbook which is like a three ring binder notebook with little check stubs it was going to be a bad night and it was best for me to stay away because my mother was going to empty her purse full of blank of check stubs Of where she had written the checks that he wasn't aware of and then they were going to balance it and uh again it just it it that that was my first introduction to how money works with people or doesn't work with people i think another thing that makes money hard to talk about is it is a very emotional thing emotions are tied into our money and how we treat our money how we view money is all going to affect uh, us with our emotions. So, and a lot of us look at money with a lot of fear, uh, and a lot of scarcity. Um, and then I think the fourth, uh, thing that makes money hard to talk about is our ability to always compare ourselves to other people. We feel like, I think a majority of us, like everyone else is winning with money and we're not, we can sit with a group of people and think they're doing great, Um, and in reality, most of your friends and family are not doing great. Statistics would show that uh, most of us have made a financial mess. And honestly, sometimes the people, I tell my kids this all the time, and it is just personal opinion, but uh, sometimes the people you meet who talk the most about how much money they have typically have the least. The most wealthy and successful people I've been around don't really care what you or I think about how much money they have. Um, and so when you pull up to the stoplight next to the guy or the girl in the fancy car and you think, God, it'd be nice to have that, it it there's just a high probability it's a leased or financed car and they're just trying to figure out how to make that car payment every month like the rest of us. So. I, I, that's those are those are four factors, I think, that make money challenging to talk about for for myself. I'm married. Uh, I've been married now almost uh, almost 30 years, uh, and it was uh, in the turn of the century, which sounds so weird to say in the winter of 1999. Uh, my wife and I had been married a couple of years. We had a couple of little kids. We were living in the south and. Um, we were kind of in our financial rock bottom we were in a mess we had a lot of medical debt we had uh, a car payment we had some family loans we had some credit card debt and i didn't make a lot of money and i just i was frustrated and tired and i was challenged by a couple of things one i had a boss who i managed a hotel as as i still work in that industry and i had a boss that said It's interesting to him, you know, he pointed out that all of these managers that worked for him, uh, operate, uh, well established budgets in their business and very few have any kind of budget or plan in their home. And that that's, you know, he was not what I would say my greatest boss I've ever worked for, but that is one piece of advice that has stuck with me now for over 20 years. And then the other thing is I, uh, was at a bookstore that same winter and I found a book called financial Peace. Many of you are probably familiar with it It was back when Dave was just kind of Dave Ramsey was just kind of starting to build his audience. And he was pretty uh, popular in the Southeast at the time. And, um, and I picked up the book, tried to read a bunch of it in the bookstore. Cause that's what I would do. And, uh, and I just decided, I turned to my wife and said, Hey, let's buy this book and let's do whatever it says for 30 days. And I shared with others the example that if he said burn leaves in your front yard every day, we'll just do it. Whatever he said, we'll just try it for 30 days and see what happened. And, uh, he, uh, in that book, he talks about having a budget. And so I put together our first budget. It was a disaster as the book said it would be. And, uh, but consistently over time, we did a budget month after month after month. And now, almost 24 years later i've done a budget every month for the last 23 and a half years Um, none of them have been perfect and uh they've all been maintained uh but they uh that has been one of the areas i've been the most consistent in my life i'd love to tell you i'm that consistent in every other area or every other task i take on or every other decision and dream i make uh, but i'm not uh, but in that area of having a budget, it, it clicked with me. My budget has gotten easier and simple at the time in the book, it was like four pages long and there are all these columns and, you know, you have to make it work for you, but, but that that's just, and so we slowly, um, painstakingly worked our way out of any personal debt and, uh, built up some savings and just finally felt like, um, we had a bit more intentionality to how we were spending money again i want to emphasize for those of you listening cuz it's so easy to hear people say this in a podcast and feel like they have it figured out it's a hot mess every month uh almost every month and sometimes we've got extra and sometimes we don't have enough uh the the difference is that i've just got a map that i'm it's guiding me on the way and i'm adjusting that route as things happen Um, And so that's been my journey. And I love to talk about money to anyone. I will say in full disclosure, and those of you who know me listening to this, I became probably that obnoxious Dave Ramsey fan that some of you have ran into. And if you're a huge Dave Ramsey fan and you haven't run into that person, there's a chance you might be that person. But i would tell everyone this is how we have to do it. everyone should have a budget everyone should read this book everyone should get out of debt nobody should have any credit cards we're never going to use a credit card again uh, never gonna have a car payment all these things and some of those things i've honestly i've lived with I haven't had a car payment in 23 years um but uh and i really avoided using credit cards uh for a long time um and uh but a couple of things I've learned through that process um, now, having worked with this system and this isn't an anti Dave Ramsey. There's plenty of videos about that. I think Dave has some great advice and I think it works for a lot of people. My challenge is for anyone selling or marketing or talking any personal finance strategy. I just don't believe there's a one size fits all strategy. For everyone. I don't think that if it worked for me that it will necessarily work exactly the same for you or someone else. I think we all have unique situations and circumstances. I think there's some core principles. I think there's some, some guardrails we can use. Uh, but I think I've settled more on. There's just not a one size fits all. And so there's some areas where I've kind of forked from Dave, which is, you know, my choice and his choice. He doesn't care. Um, but you know, I do use a credit card now to uh, handle our expenses. We do spend a lot of time hacking airline miles and and those types of things. I haven't paid credit card interest more than once or twice because I forgot to get the bill paid on time. Uh, but I don't carry any credit card debt. We don't carry any kind of personal debt. Um, that's just our decision that works for us. We drive old cars. I'd love to drive a nice car um i I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but I just I'm just not going to finance assets that depreciate. That's just been our our stand. Again, I don't hate anyone that gets a car payment and um there's some people driving some nice cars that I'd love to have. So, um and obviously we took a turn on real estate debt. I tried to play the real estate investing game as close to Dave Ramsey's way as possible. I was very conservative. I had 15-year mortgages on properties um and I struggled for cash flow to be very honest with you. And so a couple of years ago, we did extend a few of those, but I'm also, um, I'm also very careful about leverage. Like none of my rental properties are over leveraged, meaning I don't owe 90% of what the value is, or I haven't maxed out. And every time I find extra equity in a property, I don't leverage it into something else. I just have some cushion uh, for life to happen and things to go wrong. But again, I just want to say I don't believe there's a one size fits all solution. If you do, that's great. But your solution isn't going to fit my life entirely. Uh so I'm a little more open to, hey, I think there's some hybrids and some things we could all use. Uh and then then really making a decision to be intentional in your life to do something. And I think that's the difference. We can look at a plan that someone presents to be like, well, it doesn't fit me, so therefore I don't have to do anything. Um it's better like anything else talked about in this podcast. Uh, there's intentionality, intentionality, getting started, taking the steps, setting destinations, figuring out how to get there. That's going to help you win in your personal finance world. The second thing I've learned after 23 years of, of really doing this, talking to this, studying this, is you need to have some kind of a budget. You can call it a budget, you can call it a cash flow plan, you can call it whatever you want. Uh, you need to have some kind of written down I believe you can do a spreadsheet it's great Uh, but you need to have something where you're telling your money where it's going you take stock of what do I have coming in and where is it going out and I think that managed money will always go further I think it's true in business I think if you have rental properties I think all of it applies if you pay attention to your money it will do better than if you just kind of leave everything on autopilot you don't really know where it's all going i guarantee you there's areas you're missing out on money or losing money the other thing i think the benefit of a cash flow plan or a budget is is that it's a mirror it will show you what is going on in your life to me i compare it because i struggle with weight here and I, by struggle i mean i don't really address it and I'm, I'm starting to more this year uh as some of you know, but. I think a budget is a is a is a scale for how your money's doing. It is a mirror, it's a reflection of what's really happening. If you write down what you're spending and bringing in, it will show you where the money's going. And I don't think it has to be done with judgment or shame. I think it's just an actual reality of, yes, this is how much we spend going out to eat. This is how much our car payments are. This is how much our credit card debt is. This is how much we bring in. And this is how much we save. This is how much we give or lack thereof. And it's not, again, it can feel that going back to emotions, it can feel bad. And therefore, we tend to stick our head in the sand. It's the same as if I get on the scale, I can feel bad but that doesn't change my weight. I can feel bad, but that doesn't change my blood test at the doctor's office. Doesn't matter how I feel, it is a reflection of what's accurately happening. It's the same with money. A budget is just a reflection of what's actually happening. So why do we hate budgets? Well, there's a couple of things. One, I think control. I think we like control. Um, I think that, uh, and, and I think at times budgets can be used to control other people. Uh, I think budgets can be a way that people manipulate one another, especially in a relationship. Um, you're going to do this. You don't get to spend this. We're not doing this, but I get to do this and I have this money, you know, and just, it can become a mess. I think it can also, budgets can also feel very controlling. We just don't want to, um, And it hurts or we feel like we don't want to tell ourselves no um i think we don't want to tell our children no is a big thing that i see amongst people with uh kids uh, in financial trouble um the other thing i think we have this misconception that if i have a budget i won't ever have any fun uh i won't ever do anything frivolous we won't get to just go spend any money and i and i i disagree with that in that i think again going back to the scale or the mirror a budget is just Putting down what you're going to do with your money. So look, if you're going to go out to a $400 steak dinner at a fancy restaurant, you just put that in the budget. That's it. It's just we're going to spend this money. If we're going to go on a trip, if we're going to buy this this thing, if we're going to go spend money on clothes just because we want to, it's just reflecting, hey, I'm going to add that into my map, into my plan and budget for it so that I know where that money went. I also think budgets, a cash flow plan of some kind, improves communication about money in your relationship. But I would say in parentheses, eventually. The first few months is going to be rough for most people. If you haven't talked about money, if you haven't worked with each other on money, if you're in any kind of relationship, it's going to be hard to sit down and just start. And so you have to give yourself some grace, usually as as uh, just pulling from my old Dave Ramsey history, usually one of you loves to talk about money. One of you does not really enjoy talking about money. You have other things you'd rather talk about. Uh, and so the person who loves to talk about money wants to do a six-hour budget summit. The person who doesn't like to talk about money wants to give you about six minutes. And somewhere, you've got to kind of work in between there to a happy medium. Uh I think there's two types of budgets. I think there's what I use is what I learned from that Dave Ramsey book financial piece is it called a zero based budget. I put in how much I'm going to bring in this month, how much I estimate I'll bring in this month. And I write down my expenses and I spend every dollar every the beginning of every month. And then, uh, and then I adjust that as the month goes on. So if I overspend on the category, if I budget, you know, $300 for restaurants and I've spent $350 as I'm tracking that throughout the month. Well, now that's $50 I got to take out of another category. I don't, I don't always just sit in judgment of myself, but I just adjust another category. Sometimes that category is a necessity. Sometimes it's taken out of something frivolous and fun. It, it doesn't matter. It's just, again, I'm tracking where the money goes. Because if I don't operate a zero-based budget, which means I'm going to, if I'm spending more than I'm bringing in, I'm going to have to take that money from somewhere or go into debt. That's the only two choices. There's really there's nothing else that, that's happening. Uh, if I'm not spending as much uh, as I'm bringing in, then what am I doing with that money? Um, and if I'm saving money, what am I saving that money for? If you're on a commission or a very irregular budget, I just use some kind of a priority based budgeting system. Meaning, hey, if the first thousand dollars goes here, the second thousand goes here, the third thousand goes here in a month. If I get 10,000 goes here, and and I think there's always a way. Again, you have to find what works for you, but doing something is gonna get you so much farther than doing nothing. I have found that a new budget every month is what's worked best for me. I have friends that take their average over the year and do kind of an average budget every month where the numbers never change. I I just, it doesn't work for me. If it works for you, you're you're light years ahead of people not doing any budget at all. I just find that every month expenses are different. Uh, My kids don't have birthdays every month, but they have birthdays in certain months and we have other things that come up and oil doesn't get changed every, you know, and just for me, it's just how I have found it to work. Um, But again, uh, I, I don't think there's a one size fits all. Doing something is better than nothing. Um, and then I update our budget as the month goes on. As I mentioned earlier, I just, um, I try to do it every week, uh, cause I am kind of a nerd and I really enjoy it. Uh, I think every payday doing something, when you sit down to pay your bills, you just update and be like, okay, you know, we're at the 15th of the month. We budgeted a thousand dollars for groceries. We spent $995 so far on groceries. What are we going to do? Cause again, you got to do something you got to eat. So it's probably not realistic. We're gonna spend $5 for the rest of the month. Uh, so what what are we gonna do about that? Um, the other thing is I've learned is you have to have a plan to deal with debt. I think personal debt is what traps so many people from living life with a little more freedom and enjoyment. I think going on vacations that you've paid for are so much more fun than going on vacations, having a good time than coming home and three weeks later wondering how much more we just added to our credit card debt. So again, I, I, I mean, I did it just as the little green book told me to. I wrote down all our debts, I snowballed them, I put smallest to largest, it worked for me. If you wanna talk about interest rates, Matt, I don't just pay it down, do what you can. And sometimes that involves sacrifice. I did some financial coaching for a while of people. That was miserable. Uh, I met some great people, but I found that what happens to a lot of us is we just bury our heads and we want to be ignorant. Really sitting down and taking stock, just like you would in a business. How much do we owe? Who do we owe it to? How much are we paying a month? And what is our, what is our plan to start trying to eliminate that debt? Maybe it doesn't bother you. And then that's okay. If you make a lot of money and you're like, look, dude, I got these high car payments. I love them. Then great. Have at it. Uh, it's just a decision. It's just not something I could do. But I think credit card debt, I think things that you feel trapped. I have dealt with medical debt several times in my life. That's another podcast for another day. But um, I think just getting rid of those other people sending me bills. um, paying for things that uh where we overspent um just needs to be dealt with as best you can and in, in w- again with some kind of plan uh and some of you in all honesty just statistically I don't know who you are I'm not peering at you in the car uh some of you have more debt and expenses than you have income it's it will be helpful to just write that down and stare at that for a moment live in it and then be like, okay, what can we do? What can we do? Any hole can get dug out of. You just have to stop digging the hole. Um, so yeah, those, those are some lessons I've learned. Here's some other things I would ask you to evaluate or think about in this topic of personal finance. What's your savings comfort level? What's your emergency fund comfort level? Most financial advisors say three to six months of living expenses. Um, that's great. Um, but what, what are, do you have any savings? One out of four people in America statistically don't have any savings at all. One out of four households. Um, that's a little scary because life happens. Things happen. People lose their jobs, cars break down, um, emergencies come up. Um, and then that again, traps us in more and more debt. What about life insurance? I think that's another thing. I did a podcast a couple months ago with whole life insurance, I, I, uh, uh, universal basic life, I guess, to be correct. Um, I, I think you need some kind of life insurance if you have anyone dependent on your income. Um, and typically industry standards would say eight to 10 times your take home for life insurance. Another thing I would talk about is, uh, or ask you to consider, I guess I am talking about it. So I ask you to consider as You're listening is, uh, do you have any kind of will, um, If you have children, if you have any assets, uh, you need some type of will. Everyone needs a will. They're dirt cheap. If your estate isn't complicated, just get something that says, here's where I want my kids to go. Here's where I want my money to go. If you get more complicated, then I think you need to look into an estate and trust attorney um, to get that planned out. But having something to designate your wishes will make it easier on the ones who are left when you're not here. So that's wills. Um, The other thing I would ask you to think about is what are you teaching your kids about money and how are you modeling money to them? Now, I wish that I had some great observations and answers to this one. Uh, no one will ever invite me to teach a parenting podcast or a lesson. Um, parenting is something I have to really work at. It does not come naturally to me, but I really am wanting to leave, lead by example with my kids on money, how to handle it. Uh, I've probably been that obnoxious, uh, parent on money. Uh, and probably, you know, when my kids ask me what I want for Christmas, I'm like, I want you to contribute to your Roth IRA. And they're like, dad that's so dumb um but that's okay uh but i think you know are you are you discussing money with your kids and i think you know in doing financial coaching one thing i noticed um kids became the excuse why we couldn't fix our problems i'm in financial trouble i've got a lot of debt uh i've got my kids in four sports and eight hobbies and new clothes and uh i just can't say no to them Um, I can't deprive them of that tennis future, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I think there's a valuable life lesson in telling kids, Hey, uh, mom and dad or or mom or dad, we overspent and, uh, we, we've got to fix it. And so that's going to mean we all have to sacrifice and you're going to see me sacrifice. Unfortunately, you're going to sacrifice. That's controversial. Some of you probably going to flip off the podcast. That's, that's fine. I, I just, I'm just telling you for me, I think um, we have to teach our children better than we were taught how to deal with money. Uh, And we have to be honest with them if we're in debt and not to a point of scaring them or, you know, mom and dad are losing the house or things like that. It's just, but in reality of, hey, we've got to cut down on our spending. We go out to eat too much. We're going to work on eating at home. Um, Those types of things. I think it's valuable. And I think helping your kids understand how to use money and how when they get a job what you know what what is the use of money for savings for giving for spending what what's your plan for your money and just giving them again recognizing a one-size-fits-all solution doesn't exist but we at least get them comfortable talking about money and maybe those next generations will avoid some of the issues that we've experienced so what does that have to do with real estate? I listened to a real estate podcast you've droned on now for about 25 minutes. What the heck am I going to learn from you? Well, I also think um, I think this all applies to real estate as well. I think how we handle money is typically reflect, a reflection of how we handle other areas of our life. I think there's a lot of folks in real estate that um, are not great at handling money. And um, and so I think, it's, I think it's the same thing. Now, I don't have a budget for my rentals. Uh, I don't have a cash flow plan every month for my rentals, Um, but I, I do track my income and expenses and I would encourage, I think everybody should be having some way of tracking income and expenses. You need to know how much rent's coming in and how much each property is costing and, um, and just kind of having that on a, on a monthly and an annual basis, I think is helpful uh, to give you an idea, what do my repairs really run me a, a year? What do my capital expenses really run? What is what are those percentages? I was sharing with someone the other day that you know I I went to a bank and we were running our I was showed them my numbers and they kind of laughed at me that I was too conservative on my repairs and maintenance and capital expense, and, but I look at my numbers for the year and that's about the percentage I've been averaging. So yeah, I could make it riskier to make my numbers look better, but it's not a true, again, going back to that mirror, it's not a true reflection of what's happening in my properties. Um, now, again, if you're not a numbers person, you should not be doing this work. If you don't like numbers, please don't do your own bookkeeping because you aren't going to do it or you're not going to do it well. Spend the money to pay someone to do the books for your rentals or your business. But You need to understand the basics of what's happening with your money. You want to lose your money? You want to get ripped off? Pay no attention to your financials. Learn how to read a financial statement. Don't be embarrassed if you don't know how to do it. Find someone who does and have them explain it to you. Google it. I'm sure there's a YouTube video on it. It's a YouTube video on everything. But learn at least how to understand a financial statement from where's my income, where's my expense breakdown, what is my profit? And where did those expenses go? And again, you don't have to have those six-hour summits, but just knowing how to read a financial statement, how to understand it will be helpful. I think it's important to know with your rental properties and your businesses, your flips, whatever in real estate, are they cash flowing? And if so, how much? Now, it's a whole nother discussion that a lot smarter people and I've had about not every rental property has to cash flow all the time. I'm not having that discussion. You just need to know what each property is doing. Is it standing on its own? It's going to help you make decisions on whether you should sell it. If you refinance a long-term strategy, having a destination, what you're trying to get to with your rentals, your real estate portfolio, is this getting me closer to that? Again, as I mentioned earlier, I think having to know how much you're spending on repairs and capital expense. I also think tracking again, tracking the ages of items in your property. How old are your appliances in your property? When did you last replace them? How old is your roof in the property? How old is the hot water heater? How old is the, the whatever whatever you want to look at? When's the last time you replaced the flooring? What what other expenses could be coming? Um, and then I think you know, taking that time once a year. At least if you're not nerdy. Now, if you're nerdy, you're like, dude, I'm doing this like every third third hour of the day. Uh, But just having kind of an idea once a year, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be like, okay, as I go into this new year, here's my capital items. Here's things that are kind of on my watch list. Here's things I'm going to have to make sure I have money for. And this way you don't get caught by surprise. Um, Do you have a balance sheet? I think I think as a real estate investor, I think an investor of anything, you need some kind of balance sheet. Again, you don't have to nerd out if you're not a numbers person, but do you know how much you own? What is each property worth? And what do you owe on it? And just those basic things, how much are you paying a month? When's, when's it get paid off? Those types of things are helpful too. But just knowing uh, if, if this property is worth $150,000, And I owe $100,000 and I have 50000 equity. Just having that on one piece of paper will be good. And it will also encourage you as you watch those numbers grow uh, as you build and add more. Um, I also think it's important, and this is something that it has really just taken me this year to kind of figure out, is to have a tax strategy. Um, And I think that is... um, I'm becoming more convinced that's a good argument to find a tax strategist, not necessarily a CPA, but someone that understands tax strategy, uh, and has worked with you to create, again, I don't think tax strategy is one size fits all either works with you to create a strategy for your situation, which then helps you understand, um, and make decisions better, um, I, I've done, I've done everything wrong this year. I, I bought a house and sold a house two weeks later that I knew I was going to sell. And then I flipped a house, sold it, and then bought another house a few weeks later. Um, and I've got a pretty hefty tax bill coming at me because I didn't have any kind of strategy. It's my own fault and a little bit of my own arrogance, um, of just not, not going a little bit slower and thinking through this a bit longer. And so that money I'm going to pay on taxes. And the other thing is an argument you pay taxes because you made money and I'm grateful that I got to make this money, but that's going to be money that then I can't put towards another property. So I'm basically giving to the government, which, you know, we know is going to do great things with it and it's going to be efficiently operated. Uh, or I could have put that money into my own investments with just doing a little more work. And I think in the long run, had I had a better strategy, that would have been more effective for me. Lastly, I want to leave you with these two questions. Do you look at money and you're investing with a mindset of scarcity or a mindset of abundance. And what I mean by that is, are you operating out of a mode of fear and lack, or do you look at things as there's plenty? And I wanna help, I I wanted to find things for me, um, but I think when we operate with lack and scarcity, we can sometimes, we're worried everyone's gonna take what little is out there and we're not gonna get anything. I think it can affect our relationships. It can affect how we deal with other investors. Um, It can, you know, we're suddenly worried that our deal is going to get taken by someone else, so we can't uh, we can't share any information. We can't ask any questions. Uh, I think sometimes too, we can approach our money from a very uh, sense of lack, and that we don't really believe there's plenty of money out there. There's lots of opportunities. Uh, We we are. There are, there are lots of ways to make money and there doesn't seem to be a limit of it, um, except the limits we set for ourselves. So something I'm still kind of working through, uh, so I don't have a crystal clear explanation, but just a question, I, I, do you approach money and investing with scarcity or with a mindset of abundance? Um, and lastly, and something else I'm also working through right now is do you really understand your purpose or have a why? As to why are you doing this? Are you just building it to acquire? Well, I think sometimes, especially if you grew up poor, um, if you grew up with a lack of money, uh, and now you're making money, it can you can still very much be that poor kid hoarding and afraid you're going to lose it all and holding with a very tight fist. I uh, I'm a big believer that uh, that as we get, so should we give. You know that we need to be giving. Uh, out of our abundance as well, um, and so do you have a why? do you have a purpose? do you have a um, a reason why you know why do you want a hundred doors? Why do you want to leave your job what What is it that you're really destined and feel like you're supposed to do? And lastly, I'll just leave with this thought: there is no perfect strategy. Quit trying to find it. Quit trying to listen to podcasts to find more of them. Find out what works for you. And then just start doing it. We spend so much time gathering information. We spend so much time trying to read one more book, to learn one more step, to listen to one more person, to talk to one more individual, to to absorb one more podcast. And I'm happy you're absorbing this one. But eventually it comes down to where are you trying to get to and what can you do today to get closer to that? And just put one foot in front of the other every day. What's the next most important thing I can do to achieve what I want to do? I appreciate you listening. If you have a comment, have a question, my contact information is in the show notes. Reach out. I'd be happy to answer it. I love talking about money. uh, And I love, uh, and I got lots of opinions. Um, But yeah, I just hope that this has been helpful to someone. I hope that uh you have found some benefit in it uh it, and we would appreciate it. as always uh we would appreciate it if you liked our podcast you subscribed if you viewed um it helps us uh share this with more people again remember we have three podcasts every week we have some great hosts bringing on some great guests sharing some great information and we hope you found it helpful and we look forward to it if this has been benefit to you please let me know and uh I'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you and have a wonderful day.